What makes up an A-plus graded draft for the Utah Jazz? Find out next on Locked On Jazz. You are Locked On Jazz, your daily podcast on the Utah Jazz. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into Locked On Jazz. My name's Leif Tuline. I'm excited to be back with you guys with the opportunity to fill in for David Locke again for the next few weeks. It's draft time, everyone. And as a lifelong jazz fan who's a credentialed NBA draft analyst for Locked On NBA Big Board, attendee of the 2023 Combine, jazz broadcast assistant and statistician, lover of basketball, college basketball and basketball alike, and someone who enjoys the draft with stats, stats and everything like that don't expect all the geeky numbers of usual to be gone but i'll bring a unique perspective as a diehard hoops fan college hoops nba draft analyst and a jazz employee who wants nothing more than the jazz to be amazing so i'll try to make you as knowledgeable as possible about your utah jazz we head into a huge moment in jazz franchise history with three picks this year and many more on the horizon thanks for making locked on jazz your first listen every day and remember locked on jazz is free and available for everyone on all platforms, including YouTube at Locked on Jazz, where the best way to help us grow is to comment anything below. And today's question, who's your favorite guard for the Jazz? It, as, as I assume that'll be something that constitutes an A-plus draft at some point. And today's title sponsor, Game Time. Thanks to Game Time, who sponsors the show, and where you can find fast, affordable, and great seats in no time. Check out Game Time for tickets near you. All righty, enough about me and, and the, everything there. Let's let's talk about who I'm joined by. Richard Stamen, uh, Mavs draft on Twitter. You may have interacted with him unknowingly. Coworker of mine with uh, Locked On NBA Big Board, and he is going to give you what he thinks it constitutes an A plus draft for the Jazz. And then I'll give my A plus and see where we coincide. Maybe we'll differ. And then second segment, more of the same. We're going to talk about who the Jazz could take at 16 that could constitute being an A-plus draft. Address some of the latest rumors of the draft world. No one's more plugged in than Richard. And in the third and final segment, we'll pick a sleeper who can be the cherry on top to finalize the Jazz draft at 28 and break down what constitutes an A-plus draft. And without further ado, welcome on to Locked on Jazz, Mr. Stamen. How are you? Hey, thank you for having me. I think this is a first. I'm excited. I'm excited to be here and talk uh, about Honestly, one of the teams with the best futures in the entire NBA. So excited for it. Yeah, and, and that's a good way to get everyone excited. And, and Jazz fans know this. Like, we're ahead of the the curve. Like, you don't expect to be where you are right now. And picking nine maybe isn't as sexy as as it could have been if, had you been in the Wenbenyama sweepstakes as Jazz fans, including myself, expected to be. But that's not what happened. We got Lowry Market and Walker Kessler, Ochag Baji as future pieces, accelerated the process, have all the picks available. So let, let's get right into it. The Jazz can have a perfect draft by getting a guy at nine. But how? Like, how is the board going to fall that is something that's possible for you to, to feel very confident and start the A-plus draft? Because you can't have an A-plus draft without, without hitting on your first pick if you're going to have three picks. So what do you think is, is a way that the Jazz really strike gold at nine that is feasible? And just kind of take me through that process. Yeah, there are three guys I think that constitute an A-plus draft. Ideally, you'd like to start with a guard. Kind of like you teased at the beginning, I mean, guard is going to be an essential part of the entire draft for them one way or another. You could probably get a guard at 16, so like you don't need one at nine just to take one. You want somebody who's probably one of the best players available. Um, I would say, I mean, in theory, like this isn't an answer to your question, but 
an A-plus draft would be finding a way to trade up to get Scoot Henderson. I mean, the Jazz own two teams' future, essentially, at draft picks, plus their own. They have a ton of picks to trade. They could make the move. I think that alone would be an A-plus, no matter what happens even the rest of the way. But kind of staying on topic of what was actually asked, I think an A-plus draft would be any one of – at nine would be any one of these three guys, Anthony black, uh, who is the guard to fill. I think he's got one of the best defensive upsides in the entire draft. And also a lot of offensive upside too, even without a reliable jumper, somebody else who doesn't have a reliable jumper, but is a forward connecting piece. That's Jairus Walker out of Houston. I really like him. I think he's somebody who he elevates your team from either first round exit team to like Western conference finals, second round guy. He gets you an extra round at the minimum in the playoffs or he gets you from almost the play into the seventh seed or the sixth seed to really even avoid the play in. Uh, and then lastly, Taylor Hendricks, who's uh, very similar to Jairus Walker, better shooters, pretty much the difference. I think all three of those guys impact winning tomorrow with great upside. Yeah. Those are the same three players that I have uh, as my favorites for the jazz. The feasibility is, is something that we'll have to discuss. And so we'll just go through it. It looks like Jarris Walker's landing spots range from number five at Detroit, number seven uh, with with the Pacers, and number nine for the Jazz. It looks like those are the three most likely landing spots. Hendricks, I think there's a little bit of duplicity. I think he could go from five, six to the Magic maybe, seven to the Pacers, eight to the Wizards seems unlikely, especially considering the Bradley Beal news um, that is that Beal is going to be traded in, in all odds. And then the same the same thing could be said. So the reason that I think these players would constitute the start of an A plus draft for the Jazz, and my my personal preference would be Jarris Walker. If if I if all three were available, I think Jarris Walker has not only what probably is one of the highest floors, but I think he's got more star potential. And a team like the Jazz doesn't have the luxury of contending in free agency sweepstakes. Uh, they build organically. He fits right away in between Kessler and Markinen, allows Markinen to still play the three. I think Walker can play the four. I, I also think that there's an underrated ability to shoot the ball, which is like the differentiator between he and Taylor Hendricks by everyone. I think Hendricks is the better shooter, but Walker could could figure that out and do more with the ball eventually, whereas Hendricks, I think, will always be dependent on someone to create him a shot. And so that would be my A+. And the other thing that you have to factor in is the Jazz have multiple picks. So if you're going to get a wing at nine, I think that sets you up better for the future where there's a treasure trove of guards available at 16. And so that's that's where I think the the biggest win could be is if Jairus Walker fell and the Jazz were able to take him at nine. I still think that's unlikely, but that to me is what starts an A-plus draft. Yeah, I think any one of those three guys, not only do they help your winning now, but they also are guys that as they progress and develop in a really good development spot like Utah, they get better over time too. So you win short-term and you win long-term. Yeah, and, and so give give a pitch for all three of those guys, I guess. Just like if the Jazz were to take them, what could you expect from the short-term and what could you expect from the long-term? And then why, and if you can, just pick one that you think would be absolute best if if all three were somehow available. Yeah, Jer- so I'll start with uh, Jairus Walker. I think kind of like I said, he's the guy who impacts winning tomorrow, right? Just in every way. He's going to defend multiple levels of the floor. He's going to be able to pass. Jump shot upside is there. It's a little bit iffy on how clear uh, and realistic and when that jump shooting upside is accomplished. But uh, he's somebody who he already played his NBA role at Houston. He was the he was kind of sitting in the corner a lot. You're going to see that he has to find ways to get to the ball. 
And I think that's ultimately something that he's going to have to do again in the NBA early on. But long-term, you just look at that ability to impact winning for a long time, just the same way some of these, every title contending team has these like elite glue guys. And that's what Jarris Walker probably profiles as. Taylor Hendricks is very simple. I think he has the same long-term and immediate uh, fit. He's probably got the best immediate fit of the three, just three and D power forward who can protect the rim, contest shots, pass a little bit. I think there's just so much to like with him that, he really doesn't have like a noticeable flaw. Yeah. He doesn't create a ton for himself, especially going to the rim, but you can manage that when you're so good off ball. Like I've always likened him to, if you put senior year, Robert Covington in a freshman's body, like let him start at 19 years old. That's what you're getting. So at a minimum, you get like one of the most coveted three and D players in his prime. You get somebody better even then like that can protect the rim too uh, in the long term. And then Anthony black, I really like him. I think he's somebody who he makes an all defense team. He may struggle at the beginning of his career with turnovers and, uh, and shooting. I think those are two glaring flaws right now. And also he has to get, add more strength, be a little bit more aggressive. I do know in pre-draft workouts, uh, the teams that I've heard that have brought him in have really liked him. He's great character. I know he's overcome adversities from the Dallas area where I'm from. Uh, hence that North Texas <laughs> sign above me, but you know, I, I'm able to, I, I'm able to just, I think he's somebody who I see upside just like through the roof with it. The steal percentage is insane. I mean, he averaged two steals a game as a freshman, really crowded backcourt and honestly just crowded court with a lack of spacing in Arkansas. I think he explodes in the NBA. So you look at somebody who can play defense pass work ethic and intangibles are there where you can say he might have a passable jumper. And at that point, it's all you like, you don't need it to be lights out 40%. should be respectable and get closeouts drawn on you when you're, you're winning as a shooter when you do everything else. Yeah, and so I, in, we, we echo each other here. We, we think these are the three players that are potential there, and they would be the three slam dunks. Let's just quickly address the, the rise of Bilal Koulibaly and, and the rumors that are saying the Jazz could be interested in him and Keontae George. Does the rise of someone like Koulibaly or maybe the fall of one of the Thompsons intrigue you enough to, to vary from this and, and say like, oh, this could be an A-plus draft instead, or, is, or are you kind of locked in? Mostly locked in. I think if you can get Ahmed Thompson at nine, <laughs> that's a win. I don't, care. I don't care about the competition concerns when you pick him at nine. I, yeah. That becomes largely diminished. Yeah, so I, we're in the same boat. I, I, if, it, if I had to choose, I'd say Jarris Walker is my number one, Anthony Black would be my two, and Hendricks my three. We're going to talk about Richard and my top picks at 16 to constitute an A-plus a draft. The Jazz can't have an A-plus draft with only one pick unless they trade up, like Richard said. But first, let me tell you about Bird Dogs. Bird Dogs uh, is the staple of my my daily what I wear. I'm wearing them right now as you record. I got two pairs. I went golfing this morning in the ones that are a little bit dressier. And, and I played my best I've ever played, so thank you to Bird Dogs. Ever since I got back from the Combine where Richard and I spent copious hours scouting these prospects, I, I've been living in them. Uh, they're so comfortable. They look good. And so much so that when I went on a little party outside, I went to a barbecue and I wore my Bird Dogs, I got multiple compliments. And, and that's something I wasn't anticipating, but Bird Dogs certainly are worth the compliment and worth the wear every day. Uh, so... You know, if you, if you just want athletic shorts or ones that look good, Bird Dogs has you covered in both departments with many different shorts, uh, dressy occasion or athletic. So go to birddogs.com slash locked on MBA and enter promo code locked on MBA. They'll throw in a free custom Bird Dog style Yeti style tumbler with every order. Welcome back to Locked on Jazz. I'm Leif Tulin, joined by NBA draft analyst Richard Stamen. 
and thanks for making us your first listen today. But I recommend you come back to hear more Locked On Jazz this week as well, as or next week, where I'll be joined by Tony Jones on on early in the week and kind of talking about the latest rumbles, rumblings and the top guard prospects the Jazz need to consider in all different slots in the draft. And then as we get towards draft day, who knows what's going to happen? Could there be trades? So stay tuned with me here. And thank you for being an everydayer and listening to the show. Richard chose number nine as Jarris Walker, Anthony Black, and Taylor Hendricks, all constituting an A-plus draft. But it only is an A-plus draft should they choose the right person at 16. So I'll just keep it simple here, Richard. Regardless of who you pick there, 16 is a very important pick for the Jazz. Rumor is that the Jazz really like Keontae George, might have to move up for him. So I'll, I'll allow that as a possibility here. But let's say at 16, who are the guys that you'd consider? And then does one stand out to you as a slam dunk pick? regardless of who you picked at 16 or at nine. Yeah, there's there's a few guys. I think Jordan Hawkins would be one. You get a lights-out shooter who had a very successful march in early April with UConn being one of the most dominant Final Four teams ever. I really think Jordan Hawkins would fit well, especially if you pair him next to a point guard at nine or 28. I think there's a lot of upside there. So I think Jordan Hawkins also, just a little bit about him, plays a little bit more defense than advertised, more of a playmaker than advertised, not like high level exactly at either, but they're able to contribute in that area. And I think that's important when you're such a high level shooter. I would also say Leonard Miller at 16. I I think he's somebody, I don't know why he's falling in mocks. I really don't. I trust the G League Ignite program to at least give a stable floor to some of these players. And when somebody like Leonard Miller comes in with such a great boomer bust kind of approach labeled on him, having that high floor, learning to be a professional at such a young age and developing more and more skills. I really do think something like that makes him a valuable pick at 16. Yeah. To me, the, there's a question of philosophy. Are you strictly best player available depend like doesn't matter who you picked at nine or is there a, a fit? And this is an episode I did a while back for those of you who, who listened um, where I thought if the jazz were to take a guard at, at nine, you might go best player available. Should they go a wing at at nine, like like I think that would be the, the A plus draft is getting Jar- Jarris Walker. Then then I might go for a guard because I think there's a lot of guard depth. And I think the guy that stands out to me would be Keontae George. Um, but I think you'd have to trade up for him. The rumors are the Jazz are interested in maybe moving up 16 and 28 and getting a 12 pick per se to get Keontae George. But should they be at 16? I think either one of Jalen Hood Shafino or Kobe Bufkin, should they be available? Would, would constitute an A-plus draft considering that you've got Jairus Walker. Now, if you have Anthony Black, the guys that stand out to me, I like Leonard Miller an awful lot as well. And then here's the interesting thing. Bilal Koulibaly is getting all this traction to the Jazz. I don't think they take him at nine. I'm not sure he lasts to 16, but if you're considering trading up and you have your guard already, I think the upside is is really something I'd, I'd be interested in. What do you think of that? If, if the Jazz don't take Bilal Koulibaly at nine and he's available for the Jazz to trade up to 12, like the Thunder don't need that pick. That would be someone that, that has low expectations and might not play immediately. Like Think of like Usman Jang last year. So what about that type of pick, maybe going high upside in Bilal Koulibaly or reaching for, for Keontae George trading up to like two, three spots in order to do so? I'd stay away a little bit more from Keontae George personally. I'm just not – I know we differ on him. I liked him a lot. He's another guy who's from Dallas. I've seen him since he was a junior in high school. 
but and the talent is there. I just I wonder if he's going to slip on draft night. I, I feel like there's too much going on with you know he played through a little bit of injury, but doesn't have much versatility on either end. I feel like he's not much of a he's a, somewhat of a point guard, but he's not like a combo guard. I think he's a six three, six four shooting guard. That worries me. He's not that explosive. Defense is good, but I find myself just on both ends of everything. I'm like, all right, you got yourself set up. You got yourself to the finish line, but he just stops right short. Like on perimeter defense, he's great. Once guys get ahead of steam on him, like even if it's just after a reset of the dribble, he gets beat. And things like that really concern me. So I'm a little bit iffy on Keontae George. If you take Anthony Black at nine, look, Poalku Abali, getting him at 12 would be an absolute dream because then you get essentially the two best options at nine for two picks, right? You got Anthony Black in your guard. You got you got at 12, you got Poalku Abali, who is similar to Jairus Walker. And also, like, a big thing with Bilal is he's still 18 years old for another month. So he's playing pro. He's a key part of a title-contending team in France, which is a very good league. I think he's somebody who develops well, especially, again, like Utah's development. And I'm not just saying this because I'm on a jazz podcast. I think everybody who keeps up and is informed in the loop with the NBA knows Utah is a good development spot. Like, what's there not to like there with that outcome? Yeah, so – couple things i think keontae george at 16 should the jazz i don't know if i love trading up but if they take jarris walker which would be what constitutes my a plus draft uh, keontae george to me as the talent that is rare to get at 16 and i think the potential to become a a combo guard someone i compared him in the before the season started to jamal murray because i thought he scored that easily and it, that he was a point guard would be what helped his stock i don't think he's a true point guard but I don't think Jamal Murray is a true point guard. He's someone who can run an offense if he's got a guy who can be a facilitator to help him. Obviously, Jokic's don't come around every day, much less at all. And so, I but I think that the the premise still applies to him. Like he could become a a higher potential point guard than what anyone else has. Like Jalen Huchafino can score. Uh, Kobe Bufkin might be able to score. But I think if all three of those guys hit their ceilings, Keontae George hits the highest. And so for the Jazz, I like the potential play, especially when you have someone with a high floor and high potential in Jairus Walker at nine. Should the Jazz take Anthony Black, I would love to get Bilal Koulibaly at 16. Probably wouldn't be available. And if I were not to, I still think upside's the way to go at 16 if Anthony Black's your pick. Maybe even Gigi Jackson, someone I've soured on a little bit, but has tremendous upside, so much so that I think if they were, if he were to stay in his original high school class, he'd likely be a top three pick in the 2024 NBA draft. So maybe you're just getting him a year ahead. So that's kind of where I think. Uh, so final question here. So for, say, the Jazz take Anthony Black or Jairus Walker, you just give me the answer to both. Who are you taking at 16? No trade-ups allowed. Yeah, so uh, you're saying like one on each scenario or yeah. just one? One, okay. one on each scenario or if yeah. it's the same person. Yeah, I, I'd say let's start with uh, at nine. You take Anthony Black at 16. I think I think I go Leonard Miller. And if I could do the opposite, I would do just flip it, right? I would do Jairus Walker as my forward at nine. And then I'm, I'd take Kobe Bufkin. I actually disagree about the ceiling. I think I, I get the idea of Keontae, but I think with Kobe Bufkin being the same age with more experience – Plus, better defensively, he's got more upside as a point guard. There's really no noticeable flaw. I think he's somebody who's got upside in disguise. I really like him a lot. I think he'd be my top pick at 16 for guards. Yeah, and, and it's, he's someone that since the combine where Richard and I spent a lot of time discussing this this stuff, uh, I've really warmed up on. 
Uh, so I, I think taking a wing at nine is of utmost, like that would be the ideal situation because there's more guards available at 16. So even if you don't trade up for Keontae George or Bilal Koulibaly, then, then I'd still prefer the wing than guard scenario. Coming up next, we will make the perfect 28th pick or attempt to and recap philosophies for the Jazz that we employed to make our respective A-plus Jazz draft. But allow me to tell you about an app that is tremendous in game time. Game time has tickets to everything. And buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is fast and easy. It's a way to buy tickets to sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. I don't go out too often to events that aren't sports, and I'm lucky to work for a team. that So I, I don't buy too many tickets. But I'll tell you about one time. I bought tickets to March Madness, and it was an absolute pain. I was buying them for three people, had to get different sessions for each day. And I adore March Madness, so I had to go. But I overpaid and didn't get necessarily the seats that I wanted. Still had a great time, made the most of it. But I think I would have had a better time if I'd used game time. If you're like me and you love sports and it's stressful putting together plans, make it simple with game time. Game, pro- game time provides easy to find, buy, and buy tickets for every kind of event in your area with images of your seat views, which is important. You can get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater, and more, which can be a lifesaver. Snag the tickets without the stress at game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code LOCKEDONNBA for 20%, $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code locked on MBA for $20 off. Download Game Time today. Last minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Also, let me tell you about my friends at Murdoch Hyundai. Murdochs have been in Utah for over 80 years. Hyundai is the best car for your money. Safety features, bells and whistles, and all. My parents actually just bought a Hyundai, and I'm eager to see when it comes because it is sleek. Uh, the SUV lineup from the Kona to the Tucson to the Santa Fe, the Palisade, the Ionic 5 was just named the Motor Trend SUV of uh, of the year by Motor Trend, and the new Ionic 6 is coming out soon. Electric and looks like a Porsche and just won the World Car of the Year. There's a lot to be excited for at Murdoch Hyundai, and there's locations everywhere in Utah from Linden, Murray, and Logan. So meet those people at Murdoch Hyundai and get yourself a nice Murdoch Hyundai. Welcome back to... Locked on Jazz and Richard Stamen joining me so kindly. And, and I, I'm Leaf Tulane filling in for David Locke. And I'm honored to have the opportunity again to talk to you guys. Draft day is, is in six days from when this comes out. And we've taken Jarris Walker and at nine, or at least I have. And I, I've taken Keontae George if I were to trade up. Maybe Jalen Hood-Shafino at a guard. And Richard's taken Jarris Walker and then taking Kobe Bufkin or Anthony Black. And Leonard Miller, all guys I'm very high on. You, you may think, oh, they're they're pretty consistent here. That's because we've picked each other's brains about this many, many times. 28 becomes interesting. Do the Jazz keep the pick? Do they trade up and, and use this to move up and get a higher pick? So it could be irrelevant by the time the draft happens. But are there players at 28 that you think are just gems hiding in plain sight that the Jazz would be silly to pass on? Because there's a lot of players that I think are really good at the end of this draft. And I'm surprised I have him in the 20s on my big board. Yeah, I think there's a few. One of them is the biggest cheat code of an answer, right? And that's, uh, I think Dariq Whitehead is falling because of his injury. He's had a couple of foot injuries pop up in the last year. And then he just had foot surgery. And he should be expected to, to play by the start of his rookie season. But, you know, foot injuries are always scary when you're playing in the NBA. So with him, 
think in general, the stats underestimate him. He was a misfit at Duke. He, he really just did not have a clear role every single night, a consistent clear role. And on top of that, like he was a great shooter. He showed enough flashes of everything else where you're saying, all right, hopefully these flashes are real. And they were against real competition. It wasn't just like where the game against Maryland Eastern Shore, right, where Derek Lively went off. I think almost everyone on that team went off. It's not that. It was like against Pitt, who was a top 25 team at one point in the year, Clemson tournament team. Like all these levels, uh, and I think they were in the tournament. Now I'm, now I'm second-guessing myself. Pitt, Pitt was in the tournament and won a round. That's what it was. Sorry, I got – it's been a second. But these like actual quality ACC teams, like they were doing very well against. So uh, I really like Dariq Whitehead. I think he's won. I think Jed Howard may actually end up slipping into this range somehow. I heard at the combine that he was falling towards the end of the first round. It's possible. I think 28, he's gone by. But if he is there, I think he's somebody that fits. Yeah, I, I think we have the same prototype of who we want at 20. I think there are a lot of three and Ds with uh, with potential. There are players that I like and rank higher than the consensus, such as like Kobe Brown or, or someone that I, I like as a as a player down in that range. But for the Jazz, if you're making the 28th pick, you get a guaranteed contract, which means you get an extra year to cultivate this player. So I like taking a, a guy that I'd consider a swing. A couple that I listed were Julian Phillips, freshman from Tennessee, a little bit underrated. I've heard the Jazz are intrigued with him, uh, with the way he plays. He's long, athletic, shot 82% from the free throw line despite poor three-point shooting, but played in a system where all he did was defend. And I think there's more to unpack there. Dariq Whitehead is one that I've listed. I just don't know if he quite slips as far because I have him just outside my top 20. And if he were healthy coming in, he was number 12 before he sustained another injury and went to surgery. And my pipe, pipe dream is Gigi Jackson at 28. Should Gigi Jackson's poor workouts cost him, which I've heard he's had poor workouts. He was sick at the the combine, didn't play well in his pro day. If he falls to 28 and the Jazz don't take him, I would be devastated. I think, like I mentioned at 16, upside at 16 is upside. Upside at 28 for someone that could go in the top three of the next year's class and you're getting him a year early, the youngest player in the draft, that is the pipe dream. I don't care who you've taken. You could have taken Jairus Walker, uh, Noah Clowney, and Gigi Jackson, all redundant positionally, and I'd still be thrilled with that draft. But in this case, my my pipe dream would be Gigi Jackson. Another one that I think could slip, probably not this far, is C.D. Sissoko. But but in terms of realistic targets, Julian Phillips is probably the most likely one, but Gigi Jackson's my pipe dream. I think both of those are very realistic, honestly. I, I think Gigi's got a really good chance. Um, I think I just feel like he'd be a great fit there. Uh, one other name, I think that would be an, an interesting player. He's kind of also super young. He just turned 19 and completed his freshman year is Jordan Walsh. You look at just kind of that connecting piece. He was an absolute misfit. I know we heard the same information at the same time in the combine about him where it was like, all right, the coaching staff told him, shoot, don't shoot, pass, pass, don't pass, don't pass. Like there's just information overload. He played in his own head. And I think when he gets real freedom in the NBA, I think it's going to help him a lot. And, and I remember when we watched the combine scrimmage, like when he was shooting, it was like he, to me at least, I don't know if you agreed with me when we talked about it, it really did look like he didn't know how to shoot with his unbelievably long arms. Like it matters if anybody's played like 2K, you know, when you create a my player, the more, the longer your arms are, the worse your three-point rating goes down. And there's like some element of truth to that where it's like, especially when you're 19 years old, you were 18 for the entire season. And you're you've got the seven foot one, seven foot two wingspan, and you're six seven. Like, yeah, of course you're going to take time to grow into that. So I do think there's enough. If you look at the context of the season plus the youth and just learning his 
his body and also his defense is incredible and he uses his length to finish. I think he'd be somebody else to throw into 28. Yeah, in some, Richard and I have a, a pretty similar philosophy here for what the Jazz might look to do. Like we we both said, Jarris Walker or Anthony Black at at nine. Uh, Anthony Black seems more likely of that. Should it be Anthony Black? We take a wing at sixteen. Uh, at at twenty eight, I think it's a three and D wing with upside. If it's Jarris Walker, we take a guard at sixteen. Richard took Kobe Bufkin, and I took uh, hopefully trading up for Keontae George. If not, then I, I liked Jalen Hood Shafino or Buffkin. And at 28, we have a, we just listed our guys. So last question for you, Richard, because I know you have to go. Is there any trade that based off all these rumblings with these guys trading out that you think is actually feasible that would make the jazz have an A plus draft? And what would the assets you give up be? I mean, I, I really do think it is trade everything you can to get scoot. I, I think it's quality over quantity at that point. Uh, it's kind of a cop out. It'd be nice to have these multiple picks, but uh, if you're Utah, like, I just I feel like point guard's the biggest positional hole. Then he also saw, saw some real role element too, right? Like the pick and roll game just becomes better. And then it opens up some Lowry marking and stuff too. Like if he's your roll man slash pop man, whatever you want to call it. I think that's a possibility. Um, for me, it'd just be that. Like it's a pipe dream in a way. We haven't heard any rumors come of it. I also feel like Utah's becoming a little bit more tight-lipped, especially with Danny Ainge there. And we all know what he did on draft night in 2017, being a little bit tight-lipped about, he was like, we got our guy. I'm not going to say anything else, but we got our guy. And it was Tatum all along. He would have taken him at one, got assets. I think he'd be comfortable saying, hey, let's go in on him. Let's go in on Scoot Henderson right now. 2024 draft isn't that strong. Let's get our guy and, and solidify this long-term future with an already great foundation for a rebuild in year one. Yeah, that, that's an A plus. Like you could you could give up a lot with Scoot Henderson. I'd say it's an A plus. Uh, the other one that makes sense to me is if maybe you can trade up for Cam Whitmore. I don't know if the Jazz love him, so that that would be an intriguing one. And if you were to trade up sixteen and twenty eight to get up to twelve and take a guard, whether it be Buffkin, whether it be Wallace or George, and the Jazz had taken a a wing at nine, I think that would probably constitute an A plus draft just because two players that high is probably better than three that are so spread out. Well. Thank you to Richard. Uh, that wraps it up from Locked On Jazz. And I can't wait for next week where I'll be back with you guys. Hit me up with your thoughts and questions as we enter draft week. And until then, have a good one. And as always, go Jazz.